Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 411. Folks, today we are celebrating the Slow Flowers Podcast's sixth birthday. Yes, pretty amazing. It's amazing to hit this point so far from where this little project started in 2013. And worth taking some time to highlight the accomplishments of a small internet-based radio show that this week also celebrates not just a birthday, but also our 500,000th episode download. Behind these numbers are individuals like you and me, creatives who are building a life around beauty and sustainability. We are seeking a new model, progressive practices, and inclusive solutions to use in our own enterprises and to contribute to the floral marketplace in our own communities. You're in for a special treat with today's guests, my friends. Supporter and now collaborator Lisa Wad is joining us. Stay tuned for my conversation with Lisa in just a few minutes. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. You are listening to the 312th consecutive weekly episode that asks, are you making a conscious choice when it comes to your flowers? You are invited to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 411. Our first sponsor spotlight thanks goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Bethany Frediani of Sunflower and Sage Floral, based in Gardnerville, Nevada. Listen for my conversation with Bethany in the second portion of this episode. And before we meet today's featured guest, I have to pause and share a huge shout out to our Slow Flowers Canada friends. We are coming up on the end of the second annual Canadian Flowers Week. The celebration, which runs July 18th through 24th, 2019, concluding today. With our deep passion for our own endeavor, American Flowers Week, Slow Flowers has supported the Canadian Flowers Week project since it launched last year in 2018. Canadian Flowers Week aims to raise awareness about Canadian grown blooms and the floral industry in our communities. Growers, wholesalers, designers, florists, and retailers will hold events and build installations throughout the week to promote locally grown blooms across the country. You can learn lots more at CanadianFlowersWeek.com and check out the people, the farms, the flowers, and the projects reflecting the best of Canadian grown blooms. 
Canadian Flowers Week is a project of the Toronto Flower Market, and we're so pleased to have been part of its inception. Okay, now I'm delighted to introduce return guest Lisa Wad. You're probably familiar with Lisa and her large-scale ambitious exploits that include Flower House in 2015 and Detroit Flower Week in 2016, as well as the design studio and later retail project called Hot and Box. Please check the show notes for today's episode at deborahprinzing.com, where you'll find links to my past interviews with Lisa. These days, Lisa is a Detroit-based botanical installation artist and consultant to small and creative businesses. I'm so thrilled to say that Slow Flowers is one of her current projects. You'll hear more about that when we dive into today's episode. Here's more about Lisa. Lisa Wad's large-scale, multi-sensory, immersive works utilize living plants and cut flowers, exploring themes of old and new, nature as a cleansing reset, and joy from beauty. Lisa is committed to producing art events that are pointedly inclusive for collaborators and spectators and accessible to all humans, with a focus celebrating the beauty of underrepresented and marginalized people. Lisa's projects have been featured in the New York Times, Huffington Post, Martha Stewart, Hyperallergic, Colossal, Design Boom, The Jealous Curator, The Globe and Mail, The Detroit Free Press, The Detroit News, Detroit Art Review, Cranes Detroit, The Washington Post, Travel and Leisure, and of course on the Slow Flowers podcast. In 2019, she launched a project called Small Business Pain Relief, working with established businesses to address pain points and efficiently implement action rather than just adding ideas to one's to-do list. Lisa hopes to enable her clients' creative productivity and assist them in realizing a joyful quality of life as a business owner. Well, in late March, Lisa and I participated in a rather last-minute, spontaneous mind meld with two other flower friends, part getaway, part workcation, the gathering of four women creatives in small and large ventures from different generations and walks of life. Well, it was an electrifying experience, to say the least. What emerged from our time together was a new collaboration for me and for Slow Flowers, with Lisa joining us to manage a project I simply did not have time to tackle. I had been yearning for someone who could help me untangle the crazy knot of our Slow Flowers member database. For many, this would be a mind-numbingly boring clerical rather than creative task. Yet for Lisa, this was a challenge that called her in and rise to the occasion she has. We'll share more about our outcomes, and we'll discuss Lisa's many artistic projects on the horizon, including leading other women through some of the activities she devised for our late March getaway with friends. I encourage you to have an open mind today. Instead of gushing over beautiful blooms and exquisite bouquets, we're going to turn the focus on the wellness of your creative venture, your dreams that can't seem to get off the ground, your desire to create a meaningful business life, and what's truly essential to feed heart, mind, body, and soul. Come along for the journey. I can't imagine a more rewarding way to celebrate this podcast's sixth birthday. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And today we are celebrating the sixth anniversary of the Slow Flowers Podcast. I can't really even believe that for six consecutive years, every week, week in and week out, you have joined the Slow Flowers Podcast and amazing lineup of people who've joined me to talk about all things Slow Flowers. Uh, So happy birthday to us. 
Today, I have the pleasure and joy of introducing a return guest, Lisa Wad. And Lisa, you may know her as the creator of Flower House or Detroit Flower Week or the business called Pot and Box. And um, I'm just delighted that you're with us today, Lisa. Hi. Hi, it's so great to be back. Yeah, I think this is our like third or fourth time on the podcast. Um, I was going to say third or fourth. I'd have to go back and count. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes we've done short check-ins. Um, I remember when you were um, ramping up for Flower House, I don't think you actually had time to do a full interview, but you would, you would whenever I grabbed you, you'd be willing to update people. Yep. You know how it is in our industry. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And doesn't that seem like a long time ago, Lisa? Wow. A lifetime. Yeah. So uh, to help me celebrate the sixth anniversary of the podcast and um, our friendship and kind of along the theme that I do occasionally called Where Are They Now? <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> have you uh, update the listeners on your life and, and some of the things that you and I are collaborating on. Uh, do you want to give us a little snapshot of Pot and Box and what it was and where it is now and, and also what Lisa Watt is doing? Yes, I would love to. I feel like I'm finally on one of those um, roundups on the internet of like 80s teen stars. Where are they now? <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I have had a lot of uh, changes recently and I'm so excited to share with everyone. I it, Let's see here. In April, I had decided to close my business. Um, so I was pot and box for 12 years and I was a florist and houseplant store in Detroit. And um, I uh, was very interested in exploring doing more large-scale botanical installation projects like Flower House. But the day-to-day -day operations of a small business, I, I had no time for that. So uh, I, you know, did a lot of soul searching, and which we'll get into yeah. um, the soul searching that you helped me with, and uh, decided that I was going to be done with that project. And um, now the Pot and Box name is um, the name I work under for. Um, developing and producing those art installations, which I'm excited to say I have new ideas for. And um, as we will also get into, I have had the privilege and joy of working with you all summer uh, to really dive into the Slow Flowers membership and organize things and get things ready for bigger, uh, better projects in the future. Yeah. So I'm so thrilled to to have woven in and out of of your life and and all of all of the everything slow flowers, <laughs> you kind of cracked me up when you sent me an email this morning and you said we're going to talk about the slow flower verse and I think is that a new, <laughs> the flower verse is like the slow flowers universe you just hybridized it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I believe I believe we all live in that slow flowers verse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Um, well, let's give everybody a little history about. What's happened um, this year, I, I have to say, full disclosure, I would not be standing up uh, and functioning normally if Lisa Wad had not joined Slow Flowers uh, to take on a huge special project that I've been wanting to, uh, I've been wanting to have happen, I, uh, to be perfectly honest, since the beginning of 2016. Um, I'll just, is it okay if I just jump into a little context yeah, here, Lisa? Of in January of 2016, um, I made a decision with a lot of excellent advice from people, including Jim Peterson, the 
publisher and owner of Garden Design Magazine, uh, who I greatly respect. And the, the advice was this, you have to eliminate the free membership option uh, in Slow Flowers because, as Jim said, people don't value free. And, you know, I think we all have to struggle with our own uh, value and our own pricing. And I felt like Slow Flowers was providing incredible value for its members. And I just changed the structure so that people could would be asked uh, to join at the nominal, um, you know, modest $50 annual level or also uh, kind of upgrade to be a premium member at $200. Um, but literally since 2016, I've been trying to wrestle, if that's a word, mm-hmm. wrangle um, the membership database and, you know, figure out if I can convert the prepaying wow. members to be financially invested in Slow Flowers. And um, in doing so, I basically lost uh, <laughs> lost control of the database. The database, and um, I just really needed some expertise and help. And um, I was voicing these concerns at an event that Lisa and I were at, and we're going to talk about that. And um, lo and behold, Lisa had just made her decision to uh, close the retail side of Pot and Box, and she said, "I think I can help you." So. Oh my God, I'm still kind of in in <laughs> awe of all how this all came together. The universe, you know, sometimes you ask the universe for help and they send you Lisa Wad. So, <laughs> so that is very generous of you to say. <laughs> so yeah, so Lisa, why don't you kind of uh, pick up the narrative and tell people how what kind of happened earlier this year because it affects you uh, individually and me individually and and a couple of our friends. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. It was back in March. I uh, had taken a train trip from Detroit over to the Pacific Northwest with my dad and um, realized that um, that'd be a great um, time to see you while I was spending some time in Seattle. And then uh, there were a couple other friends that um, that heard that we were going to be spending time together and said, I'd love to, I'd love to get together with you too as well. So um, being the, um, let's see here, the, the <laughs> planner that I am, um, one other woman of the four of us, um, she sent me a text and it, it, it said, um, or I guess I should back up. Um, as it looked like the four of us were getting together, I knew I had made my decision to close my business, but, um, you know, because of PR and, and all the things that go into running a small business, I had not told many people yet. And I certainly hadn't, hadn't announced it publicly yet. So I knew that I was going to see, um, these three really smart women. And basically I didn't want to, show up and drop this, uh, bomb, uh, and have it dominate the conversation because I wanted to hear from everyone. And so I just sent a text. I said, brace yourselves. I've got some big news, but I, I would like to talk about things other than this. So, um, uh, one of the other women texted me and it says, it sounds like, uh, the decision that you've made, um, and, and sharing that, um, little nod to Brene Brown and being vulnerable and how that can open up conversations. <laughs> um, and, um, so we decided that in order to hear from everyone, um, it would be best if our time spent, you know, hanging out was more structured and which of course, you know, I open up a spreadsheet and, and <laughs> say, all right, let's do this. So, and, 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 um, and, and let me stop you there. I think we yeah. really, we realized we, only had a little bit more than 24 hours where all four of us were going to be together that in that end of end of March period. Right. Yeah. So we, um, we, I feel like we had a lot of ground to cover. So, 
I, um, with this other woman, we kind of flushed out this um, schedule so we could hear from everyone in this uninterrupted way, and we loosely uh, structured it as um, that you had time to tell the rest of the group your past, present, and future, and to bring them up to date, and and to you know ask advice on any um, upcoming decisions or future choices that you were thinking about making. And um, so the four of us um, ended up getting together and having these. Um, you know, presentations is kind of a heavy word, but um, we all presented our past, present, and future and really um, then circled into feedback and giving advice to one another. And um, it was really, I would say, transformational. It was mm. very it was very magical. And I think because the four of us all knew each other, um, we had that, um, you know, base of trust and understanding of, of what was going on a little bit, but it was just so amazing to um, spend that time dedicated to really exploring what, you know, where we've gotten to because of our history and then um, where we want to go to and, and really sharing our stories. And I think um, it, I think you and I working together came out of us just sharing as friends and you saying, I have, I have this, um, I feel this project is so important for me to be able to be a visionary, you know, at the helm of slow flowers. And I feel bogged down by this. Mm -hmm. And when I was listening to you say those things, I wasn't in networking mode or I was just listening. Mm -hmm. And so I think it took me until I was on my flight home to send you an email saying, wait a minute, I'm about to have a lot of free time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, kind of pitched to you, do you think that I could be the person to help you organize this? And yeah. so I, and, and I guess I'll hand it back over yeah. to you from there. Well, I'm, you described our little getaway, uh, Girls get away. Actually, we called it Go Bitch Go, remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> Hashtag. CBD. <laughs> yeah, just to, to censor it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we aren't all, none of us, we're, we're all like occasional friends. We're, we're not in each other's markets. We're not in each other's uh, specific businesses. We're, we're very fond of each other. But there are huge gaps of time when all f- the four of us don't ever connect with each other. And Mm -hmm. I think the one time that we were all together was at uh, Detroit Flower Week, which was three years ago, right, Lisa? 2016. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you were, you were kind of the hub of that wheel as well. And um, so it was only natural. And by the way, you're probably like the, one of the two youngest women in this group, you kind of took charge and it was so delightful for me to just sit back and go, wow, I don't have to run anything today. I can just let Lee, and we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about that structure of past, present, and future, because anybody listening to this who's up against some kind of challenge could replicate this, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think Lisa has some good advice for that. Um, what I confess to the group is that I have gone through um, multiple efforts to try to find a membership manager for Slow Flowers. Uh, I think literally four people had said they were interested worked for me for a very short period of time and then basically got bored. And it takes a lot of, um, I realized it, that it takes a lot of, um, disorganization and kind of, a you know, 
doggedness to take tackle a, a database of almost a thousand names and figure out, you know, who is everybody and what are, what are they doing? What's their history? You know, what's their level? You know, what are they using PayPal or Visa? Like all these ridiculous <laughs> minutia. Uh, I couldn't find anybody, including two past bookkeepers and, and then two other um, kind of freelance florists who thought, oh, it'd be so fun to work with Slow Flowers. Well, it just, this isn't fun work. This is crazy detailed work. And Lisa, you just you just saw it as a different kind of challenge. And when you texted me and said, I think I can help you, or maybe you emailed me, um, you had a whole idea about how you were going to manage your time. Um you know, what, what it would take to drill down on all these um, facets of the Slow Flowers membership database. And you already had it kind of figured out. And the, one of the other women in our group happened to be sitting on my ca- couch when I got your text. And she looked at me and she's like, <laughs> you better grab her. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's just, it, I guess it's a metaphor to me, what we've gone through, a metaphor that you know, we all feel trapped and stuck in certain facets of our business where we just can't break through to the next level. And um, getting the right help, even if it's more money than you think you want to spend or, and I'm not saying, Lisa, Lisa, you're incredibly competitive in your pricing of your hour, hourly fee, but it's still an out-of-pocket expense that isn't right, really in the budget. But it's mm-hmm. almost like you have to make that investment to pursue other dreams. And I, I just, I've heard that from, of course, many other people. And it's sort of this played out in real life for me. And um, we're almost at a, at a, you know, I guess, transition point for finishing up that project. But I just, um, I just was thrilled when it came together. And Lisa has been working with Soul Flowers and me since right around April. And mm-hmm. we we have a lot of ambitious goals, but we're pretty much worked through the entire analysis. That's what it is. You did an audit of our membership database and an analysis of what, what categories we have and what we are going forward. So we're kind of coming up on a, a, a big change, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just want to say, I think, um, I think a lot about um, if you, if anyone has ever had someone come and clean their house or their studio, um, you know, that initial, um, you, you hire someone and you know, they're coming and you have to do some cleaning up first. (laughs) And I think that, um, did I do that? (laughs) No, no, I think, um, I I think that if, if anyone goes to therapy, which I do when I, when I need to, and, um, I think, you know, the work you do before you're there sharing with someone. Um, I think that that it, that is the metaphor I think of when I think of projects like these for small businesses where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to do it. It's, it seems so, so low priority because the phone rings and it's your a client, it's a bride, it's a, you know, any, mm-hmm. uh, who, whoever your client is. And it's, so it's so hard to get to, to prioritizing this kind of stuff. But, um, I think about, I looked back, I, I looked at my business and I said, there are too many of those things. Um, and I don't, I made the choice that I didn't want to do that work to clean it up. I, I wanted out so I could free up my bandwidth before I, I didn't want to double down on Mm -hmm. the work. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, 
I guess, I guess what I'm saying is it's never a good time to do these kind of projects. Mm -hmm. Every single person listening to this knows exactly what that one or two or three projects, um, are in their business. And, um, I don't have kids. And so I always, I always tread lightly when I compare things to having kids, but I hear that it's never, you're never ready. (laughs) (laughs) It just happens. So um, I don't think there's ever a time when you're like, well, all the, uh, you know, uh, everything's watered and harvested out at the farm. All the arrangements are ready. I have a whole day. I'm just going to work on this. So I think it's, it's really just a matter. I think there, you were ready. You mm-hmm. were ready to have some help. And I think there was some serendipity there where I happened to have a lot of free time coming up in availability. Yeah, yeah. And the structure of our 24-hour GBG, uh, you mm-hmm. know, concentrated um, brainstorming session really, really sussed it out. Because in, in a way, you were letting us, you were encouraging everyone, including yourself, to be super vulnerable and and reveal the pain point. What is the pain point that's that's arresting future growth? Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I could articulate that my pain point was I don't have a handle on who I of course I know all our members and I love all our members, but I didn't have a handle on when everybody joined, what level they were um, mem- of their membership whether their credit card had expired. I mean, I felt like I was just becoming a giant, annoying collection agency. And I, and, and you said, Deborah, there's a way to systematize this so it's efficient and that anybody in the future who comes on board to help you with membership can pick up these, this process. Mm-hmm. And Deborah, you do not have to be down in the weeds with this. And it, you gave me permission to say, wow, you mean I can run this business and not have to worry about uh, kind of the admin side and I can do other more ambitious things like launch a national campaign for American Flowers Week or work on a book or create some special programming for our premium level members to really add value to their investment. All those things that I've been on my have been on my big wish list can maybe now get some um, unstressed attention and I don't have to feel like I'm just putting out the next fire. So um, it is that pain point that if you can identify that, I think that's the start of this process for, for in, where anybody is. Mm-hmm. I think often, um, the, the first thing that people think of when they're in small business is I can't hire someone, you know, as an assistant or an admin because it's, it would take so long for me to tell them all the, you know, mm. woven in systems or unsystems mm-hmm. or non-existent systems. And I think, um, I, yeah, I think, I think that can be completely debilitating where you get into the habit of working 15 hour days or longer. I'm sure some people are like 15, <laughs> try 18. <laughs> Wait, yeah. But, just um, remember those flower yeah. house days and those hours, <laughs> right. 23 but, hour days. <laughs> you know, speaking of flower house, um, it seems so counterintuitive, but one of the lessons and one of the little mantras that I learned so deeply coming out of that project was organization equals freedom. Mm. Um, and so it really, when I think of small business and pain points, it really comes down to, if you can systematize things, 
then it frees you up as the business owner, as the visionary, as whatever role that you are wishing you were in, but you're bogged down by all of this other stuff. Um, so, you know, the more you can lean into those systems and the organization, then you can do the good stuff and the stuff, the reason why you started what you started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, uh, this idea of having an outsider, like the cleaning person or the therapist or mm-hmm. the Lisa Wad come in and kind of bring fresh eyes to a challenge. Um, it, I think that's the secret sauce. And I know I that you're still kind of evolving in what you want to do as a, you know, going forward in terms of your mosaic of, you know, how you support yourself, obviously. Wouldn't it be great if you could just be an artist in residence as some, you know, cultural organization that would just let you do, you know, epic installations all the time? That, that'd be great. Maybe that, maybe some of that will happen, but at the, on the, while that's getting kind of ramped up, you are lending your passion for organizational development (laughs) to people like me and to some of your peers uh, or other small business people in Detroit. And I feel like you're, you're, have you actually defined what that is and created kind of a menu of services or is that still evolving? I think that's still evolving. Um, I, I, I think again, back to, um, you know, what, what the universe, how the universe kind of put us together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, um, I am so fortunate to have been able to work for you this summer as I'm in this transition and figuring out what I want to do. So, um, I think I'm very grateful for, um, for the work I'm doing with Slow Flowers to, to give me the time to think about what mm. I want to do. But, um, you know, on that, I, I've, I think, Coming out of our time together, the four of us um, in the Pacific Northwest, I, f- I felt so, so rejuvenated and, and transformed after that, that I wanted to, I wanted to do it again. And I wanted to, um, have to offer that up to other, um, small business friends here in Detroit. And so I've actually, um, I'm hosting four of them this month and we've, we've done three already and it has been just amazing. I, I'm actually an introvert, (laughs) so I worry sometimes about, um, having a lot of social interaction, especially all in one day, but, um, every, um, you know, the morning after each one of these three that I've done out of four, I've just woken up and. I it's it's just so rejuvenating. Mm. But um I did want to share um with the listeners just kind of the structure of how I do it because yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to sell myself or a package or you know a uh anything. I just I love I love I think there within the slow flowers community I've seen so much of this the information sharing where if everyone shares, it's very aloha. I, I stayed in Hawaii for a year, so <laughs> I, I love the aloha spirit. Where um, if we can, if we all give information, then we're all taken care of. But um, so how how it it worked when when you and I and our two other friends were together, and how I folded it into host these here in Detroit, not for money, just to get together and, and you know share ideas. Um, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't hope to get two days like we had um, in Bend. So I I distilled it down to one day, which I think getting four or five smart, powerful women in a room for 
12 hours is pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that I, I'm very grateful that when I reached out to, you know, 16 uh, women that I looked up to that they trusted me and said, yes, I can free up 12 hours. You know, everyone is wow. so busy. So, um, the structure of the day is, um, show up for coffee. Um, I do a little, you know, info, some like housekeeping, where's the bathroom, like coffee's here, all this kind of stuff. Here's so, the Wi-Fi. Yeah. 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 Because I think, um, like you said, it's really nice when, you know, we're always on and we're always the hostesses and, um, I think it can be really nice when, um, especially a lot of these women are moms mm. as well as small business owners. And mm-hmm. so I think that to have that, just lean into it and go, all I have to do is drink coffee and talk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how it works is that everyone has, um, 20 minutes to share their past, present and future. Um, I've been calling that a presentation and I've gotten a lot of panicky texts the night before my presentation. I don't know. So I, I Wait, think, do people think they need to like put a PowerPoint together or something? I've had a couple PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's acceptable. <laughs> it's acceptable. It's whatever, however you work best. Right. So, um, and then I've had people say, um, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. And so, you know, I think that is, is valid too, however you work best. So everyone has 20 minutes and, you know, there's a timer. I say when the timer goes off, you have five minutes. And so there's, um, it feels very natural. And then there's some flexibility in there. And then we move into 20 minutes of feedback and advice. And the, the woman presenting can say pointedly, so here's a decision I'm trying to make, or I'm not sure what I want to do. What do you guys hear? You know, and I do some gentle, you know, whiteboard. Um, do we hear any themes or that kind of thing? So I'm really, I really lean into the facilitation role when I right. do it. But I think that if, um, if groups of women or people were interested in doing this, I think you wouldn't necessarily have to have, you know, someone who's making the coffee and facilitating and that kind of thing. But, um, then we break for lunch. I order it ahead of time and it gets delivered. So we don't have to panic or think, and we can just lean into that organization equals freedom. Uh (laughs) And then we cycle through again in the afternoon and it's been really interesting. Um, you know, along with the time that you and I had together, um, I've, I've gone through four of these and every group is different. Some people, um, just open up in the afternoon and we don't want to have the time. We just kind of flow in and out. And now that we know each other a little bit better, uh, other groups really like that time. And so, wait, um, wait, what do you mean? So some options are very structured and some are more kind of round table ish. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the afternoon sessions, um, uh, at least one of the groups moved away from, um, it being the 20 minutes for me to talk uninterrupted and then 20 minutes of feedback. And then, then you go for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it, so, you know, I'm giving, I'm kind of sharing this structure, which is, which has worked most of the time. And then of course there's flexibility, you know, because the, every group is different and, and all those personalities mixed together in a soup is going to, everyone's going to have a different flavor. So, um, so we do that. And then, um, and then we go to dinner. So we have, um, really delicious coffee in the morning and pastries from a local bakery. We have a really tasty lunch from a local deli, and then we all go out to dinner. And I think that, that having the, the breaks for your mind to, just relax and eat something nourishing and delicious. I think that was really important when you and I were together with our friends in Bend. Um, yep. 
you know, yep. to have that, have a cocktail or, you know, um, whatever, whatever you need to kind of let it, let it simmer a little bit. And so I think just the, the arc of the day, um, it, it feels really, really nice. And again, I just, I am so thankful that these women, these busy, smart, powerful women trust me enough to say, I'm going to give Lisa 12 hours of my day. Well, so, I think it, when you first started telling me you were doing this and what was the first thing I asked you, how much are you charging? Like, <laughs> you know, like it, cause it, people pay for this kind of coaching really. And you're, you're coming at this with a different spirit and you're, I, I, I think seeing that it's, uh, it is so life affirming. You just want to be at the birth of, of some of these enlightenment moments <laughs> that people are yearning for. I think there is, uh, it's universal when I say that we're all so connected on social media and you feel like you, uh, you know, you're in, in touch with everyone. And then there's something about sitting at a table and sharing stories and cups of coffee with people in person. Um, and for me, it happens to be, you know, like-minded, maybe small business owner, uh, owning women. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, you know, there's, there's a sea change and, um, you know, our voices are stronger and, and all of that. And so I think, um, there's just something really, really transformative and really magical about spending, uh, per time together in person. And I think right. that, I think that, like I said, um, you know, this is something that anybody can do. So, um, you know, I, I was thinking about when uh, we were at the summit in Minneapolis a couple of few weeks ago, um, Carly from Killing Frost in Montana said that she and her fl uh, farmer florist friends, they have, um, I, I can't remember, she had some clever word for it, but it's basically a play date. Everyone brings a bunch of flowers and there's no agenda. They just spend time together really enjoying flowers and each other. And I think that's really the key. And so, you know, for them, it's playing, it's playing with flowers. For me, I happen to like, um, the structure and, and you, know, <laughs> you like whiteboards. Yeah. <laughs> I love office supplies. Um, and, um, so I think that, I guess that's really just, um, something that I just love to encourage just people getting together in real life and just being present turning yeah. off your phone. Well, <laughs> it's, out. yeah. And it's so, it's so true. Like all the work that you've been doing to help, uh, you know, kind of lasso the membership, uh, systems for slow flowers, you're on email, mostly emailing and corresponding with people occasionally on the phone. And I feel like those are important connections. But then when I was at the summit and I'm so grateful that you came to the summit to kind of support just, the production of that day and that week, I guess a couple of days, um, I saw these little aha moments where people would be like, oh, you're Lisa. I've been talking to you online. And, and it, it, it was this familiarity, like people felt included and, and engaged in something bigger than themselves. And you were there to facilitate it. And it is different than just doing it online. But, you know, sometimes that's our only option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it, the, the summit, the, the annual meetup of folks that are able to come and be in person. I think there is something, you know, there is a palpable buzz go, you know, the few days and the few weeks after something mm -hmm. like that. But I think while, 
you know, I know very well about um, putting together uh, <laughs> large groups of people and educational events and that kind of thing. And that that's a lot. But I think that um, it's it's so nice when you can remember that um, these get togethers in person are so doable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may have to plan it three weeks out so everyone can pick a day, but <laughs> but it's doable. And I think there's a magic in it. Yeah, it's wonderful. And and I know it sounds like you're going to do one more in Detroit and then maybe maybe later this year there'll be some other opportunity. You and I were joking that we should just travel the country and do these fun kind of mastermind meetups um you know around Soul Flowers memberships uh you know city to city and when that we if we do that though we're going to have to get like a, a super duper RV to travel around the country and do I that. I already have it picked out. It's one <laughs> of the new Winnebago's. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. I love it. Um, well, so we're kind of coming to a, a transition point because, um, I mean, this is sort of housekeeping, but mm-hmm. Lisa and I have made a decision that on August 1st, we're going to basically um, archive anybody who's just been a, a, you know, a member at a very non-involved level, uh, which basically means not joining for the membership rate of the annual rate of $50 a year. Um because we really want to uh, have Soul Flowers be um, a community of of like mutual investment, and mm-hmm. so that cohort, which is a really good number, it's over five hundred people, is really going to. Um, I they're gonna you're if you're listening and you're among that group, you're going to be um, you know receiving some updates about what we plan to do uh, in terms of programming and um, special p- public relations slash editorial opportunities and uh, ways to engage. Um, obviously, that we have a lot of those things going on already, but we're going to try to fine-tune that. And for those of you who are just um, kind of on hold or want to back burner this, we are not going to forget you, and we're always there for you, and there's lots of ways to stay involved uh, virtually, like joining the Slow Flowers community on Facebook, for sure, and also being um, receiving the newsletter um, as a subscriber. So we're not going to like, we're not going to go, what what do you call it when you ghost somebody? Is that like a dating term or something, Lisa? (laughs) Speaking of dating, you just dated yourself by asking that, but yeah. (laughs) I know. I hope my, I hope my sons aren't listening to this. (laughs) Um, But that means that Lisa, you'll have some, some, uh, a bit of free time to, um, and we're, 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 still kind of figuring out what we're going to do together, but what do you have kind of on deck for your, um, your short and long-term projects coming up? Anything that you want to share? Uh, I, I've been working with, um, some other small business owners and, you know, um, we all know how good I feel when I help, when I can be helpful and productive. So that's been feeling really nice Mm. that I've been able to, to use my small business skills that I, that I have acquired over the years to help others. Um, I also am sitting in my office right now and there are some jumbo sized post-it notes with ideas for, uh, large scale installations that I am really excited to flush out. And so, um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I like to, the metaphor I like to use, um, with the transition I just made of closing my, my business as a retail, uh, business is that I, had, if my brain were my desktop, I had too many tabs open and Mm. you know how your computer slows down and nothing really is very productive anymore. And so I have cleared all the tabs and I'm just adding back the 
ones that feel important. And, um, I, I just hope that, um, you know, the tabs I'm adding back in are, are for community and for doing, um, community facing art installations and just being present. I, um, I'm very excited to, to be present. And I think, um, (laughs) I know this sounds cheesy as a segue, but it's been really nice to, um, be the membership manager for Slow Flowers and stay connected with the community that I, you know, I've been immersed in as a, as a participant, as a small business owner, and now to be able to really enable and encourage, um, everyone in the membership database, um, has been just such a wonderful transition. I feel like I, I leapt and I had a very nice soft landing in some, I don't know, slow flowers, marshmallows or something. (laughs) I love that. And it's so, it's, it's so true. I mean, I think having, we we both kind of, it was rather last minute when we decided that uh, we would, you would come to the summit in St. Paul, but boy, I'm really glad that happened. And I've, of course, I'm already assuming that you'll be in Santa Cruz in 2020. So I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, you know, when you were describing the tabs being open and all, that was that's such an important, strong metaphor that I think um, is so relatable uh, just in the where we all are in our lives and, and just being so dependent on juggling multiple tasks, multiple channels. And, um, you know, one of my girlfriends calls it the mosaic career. Like we have a lot of little mm-hmm. pieces we're trying to mm-hmm. assemble into a, a beautiful canvas or piece of art. Um, for me, I keep going back to the word essential and essentialism. And mm. there is a book that I recommend people read called Essentialism. And um, and I'll put a link to it in our show notes um, today. But it really is one of those simple, you know, businessy books that t- walks you through a series of questions about decisions to make, and the underlying theme is one that I've had to, I'm 60, it's taken me forever to learn and I'm still learning. And that is just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do it. Mm. And women are, Lisa, you and, you and I, and this cohort of friends that we just talked about being with, we are all incredibly capable and we can do just about anything we set our minds to, but it, it is that the right decision just because we can. And I, I think... Now I have that conversation with myself about decisions that is this essential to the slow flowers mission? And if it's not, it doesn't mean it's a bad, you know, unworthy enterprise. It's just not right for for me right now. And it's a Mm -hmm. lot. I keep having to learn that lesson over and over again, having friends and and peers to talk those things through. Mm -hmm takes it to the next level because sometimes we're not our own best company and sometimes we're also mm-hmm. isolated. And I think that's what you were kind of alluding to with this, these women in Detroit. Like it's very easy to get, you know, just completely head down, you know, nose pushing forward and not, and not, uh, not even asking yourself questions because you're so isolated. And mm-hmm. uh, the forum that you've described and that you've, the environment that you've nurtured allows people to, almost have some additional accountability to both themselves and to the other women in the room. And I think that that's also incredibly positive and powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, that I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about that accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it, it really, it actually may not be in someone's um, 
grasp to hire someone to help with the projects that feel overwhelming. But it may be that if you meet up with one other person or a you know group of four or however many, maybe you could do a trade or you could where I can help you with yours and you can help with mm. this. And, and, or even just set a date to uh, work on that for a couple hours, work on your own things for a couple hours. I think it, you can you can end up you know, living and working in a silo and it feels, um, it can feel isolating. And I think that accountability is tough because if, if there are a lot of solopreneurs and people in very small businesses and there's, um, not always an accountability, even if you have staff, because you can say, I know we said we were going to do that. We're not going to do that today. And you're <laughs> right. You're the boss. We, okay. Whatever you say. So I think there can be that, it, within a community, uh, that accountability piece where, um, you can encourage one another that just because you put something on your calendar and it's me time, whether that's self-care or, or diving into these things that, you know, are not going to go away. Someone can encourage you and say, we said we were going to do that. Like, let's, let's actually meet up and, and tackle that stuff. I just, I just, oh my gosh, we could go on and on. And, and <laughs> I know, I know we want to wrap this up, but I just had this chill as you were talking, Lisa, like shiver that there's some, there's some manifestation of this that I would love to see us do at the Slow Flower Summit in 2020. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing that out to you because I think you're <laughs> going to have to facilitate it. And actually, for those of you who know the history of the Slow Flower Summit in 2017, our first one, Lisa was our capstone speaker at the end of the day, and she did run 100 people in the room through a, a, a kind of a visioning exercise that, I mean, obviously smaller groups are better, but do you remember that that was a pretty powerful experience for a, a larger than normal group of people? Yes. I say that, um, visioning is, um, it's an alternative to a business plan for people who aren't good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly it wasn't exactly the same format, but it was yeah. it was you were you were the you were the sensei, uh, you know, running <laughs> leading us through it, and that that was that was incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think that um, you know there can be moments with it if you're listening to a speaker or um, you know talking with friends or something where it's like, oh, you should read this book or you should do this or you should look into this um, visioning exercise for, you know, flushing out where you want your life to be in five years. And people go, oh, that sounds interesting. But <laughs> I, I, it's, it comes down to that accountability. Yeah. You know, I'm standing up there. Somebody gave me a microphone for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my experience with this. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. And then we're just going to do it right now. And so <laughs> I, think, um, I, I think there is something really magical about that when you can agree to do something with one other friend or three other friends yeah. or a room of a hundred people. Yeah. yeah. It's, it goes back to just finding that universal, um, I guess the universal connection that we all have some experience that we can uh, relate to uh, mm -hmm. another flower friend and another human being. So I, I've, I'm just throwing that out there, Lisa. We're going to figure out something for the summit and uh, to be continued. Um, you all heard this here <laughs> that I, I put the challenge out to Lisa. We'll, we'll see how that evolves. <laughs> Do we uh, still get our Winnebago, Deborah? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe you fly to Seattle and then we'll get the Winnebago and we'll drive to Santa Cruz because I got all those posters and banners and signage and, you know, all those sort of display things that I've got to somehow 
get out of my garage. So maybe that will be the excuse for renting the Winnebago. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Road trip. Okay, my dear. Um, this has been so much fun. And I know some people listening are probably like, why is this important to list to celebrate the sixth anniversary of the Slow Flowers podcast by listening to Lisa and Deborah? But you know what? Lisa, you have always been there for the Slow Flowers uh, mission and community. And I can't think of um, my success without the success of you and our interrelationship. And I just, uh, I want to celebrate that. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you're willing to join us today to just talk, talk about some of these experiences we've had both in the past, in the present and in the future, uh, to use your structure. And, uh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just excited for, to see where things go for both of us. Um, for those of you who haven't, discovered Lisa yet, I'll share all her social places on today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com and maybe a few photos of her at the whiteboard when we got together back in March. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deborah, that was very generous and, and lovely of you to say. And I just want to tell you, this is the first I have never cried while recording a podcast, but I'm tearing up a little bit. Mm. I, I, I applaud and celebrate your leadership in, in moving this uh, movement forward. Um, and it's been such a, such a gift to have a community like slow flowers to feel that support from that mm. organization equals freedom support. <laughs> so, Oh my gosh, that's going to be my new hashtag too. Uh, you text it, text it to me so I don't forget it. <laughs> okay. I'll text every day. All right, my dear, thank you so much. And, uh, we'll, we'll probably talk tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you everyone. for joining me today as I welcomed Lisa Wad, an incredible influence in my life and in the Slow Flowers community. You can find and follow her on social media. I've shared the links in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com, along with some images of Lisa's past projects. If you are a Slow Flowers member, you're sure to hear from Lisa sometime this year. She is reaching out to connect as often as she can, or you can just email her at membership at slowflowers.com to say hello. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of family farms in the heart of Alaska, working together to grow and distribute fresh, stunning, high-quality peony varieties during the months of July and August. Arctic Alaska Peonies operates three pack houses supplying peonies throughout the United States and Canada. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. And I just have to say, I did a rare wedding on July 6th for a family friend here in Seattle, and the bride was craving peonies in her bouquet. And of course, there were no peonies in bloom in Washington State on July 6th. But I worked closely with Chris Becks of Arctic Alaska Peonies to order 50 
long-stemmed, beautiful, perfect white peonies for Claire's wedding, her bridal bouquet and her bridesmaids' bouquets. And it made such a difference to have those peonies, the heart's desire of this bride, and to tell her that they came from Alaska. And pretty soon, all the guests at the wedding knew the story. So hopefully I can share photos of that soon. Now, let's visit Nevada as the next stop in our 50 States of Slow Flowers series. I'm so delighted to introduce you to Bethany Frediani of Sunflower and Sage Floral. Bethany is a studio-based wedding and event designer serving the Lake Tahoe area. Her florals echo the wild and rugged beauty of the region with touches of elegance. She says, most of my clients are excited to hear that I will be incorporating regional flora into their wedding designs. I like to utilize the blooms that are thriving at the time of the wedding, filling in with foraged foliage and bringing in product from my neighboring flower hub of California. I love to infuse my work, be it wedding flowers or large scale fine art floral installations with whimsical, dreamy and organic elements. Well, you'll want to check out the photos, links and details about Bethany and her flowers in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. So let's jump right in. Excited to uh, move on to Nevada this week as part of the 50 states of Slow Flowers series we're doing for 2018. I'm delighted to introduce Bethany Frediani of Sunflower and Sage Floral. Hi, Bethany. Hi, Deborah. Hey, thanks for joining joining me uh, to talk a little bit about what's happening in your community. Um, I know you're in Nevada, but we've you just confirmed for me what I think I, maybe we've talked about before is that you're on the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe. Is Tahoe California and Nevada? Yes, it's pretty much split right down the middle. And there's like weddings and events happening on both sides of the of the lake, right? Yes, Tahoe is a huge destination wedding market. So I would say probably 99% of my business is in that area. Wow, that's cool. Well, I jumped ahead mm -hmm. a little bit. Give us a snapshot of Sunflower and Sage Floral. Uh, what, how do you describe your business and what are your key facets that, that you provide to, or services you pro provide to customers? Oh, sure. Um, well, I have been in business for about three years since 2017. So this is my third season in business. Um, as we said, I primarily do wedding and event florals, um, mostly in Lake Tahoe. Yeah, I am passionate about using as local flowers as I can get. Um, it sometimes has its challenges here in Nevada, but um, I bet, yeah, <laughs> yes. What is your season? I mean, is there is this a year round kind of uh, market, or is it are there definitely peak wedding times of the year? It's definitely peak wedding. It goes from about May to October, typically, okay. with a few outlying you know, winter weddings, because Tahoe is gorgeous in the winter, too, mm. so we get a few of those. Mm. Um, but it's mostly during the summer. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, we did, when I interviewed you for the um, the focus on the Rocky Mountain region that we, we featured in Florist Review earlier this year, and I'll share some photos of that, um, I know you talked about the limited number of local flower farms um, that you have access to. Can you talk a little bit mm -hmm. about that? Yeah. So there is plenty of agricultural production here in this area. We're a little bit of an oasis here in Northwestern Nevada, but there's not much flower production going on. Um, there are really only like maybe three growers I can think of who focus on flowers and only one of those sells wholesale to mm. other florists. Wow. And that, 
that is um, Yellow Petal Flower Farm in Dayton. They are wonderful. They're a mother-daughter team, and they have just the most beautiful product. Um, but they are still small and growing as well. I think last summer was their first season in production. So most of my product, I have to work with a local wholesaler here in Reno. Um, and she's been really great too. We've worked closely together to make sure that most of my product that she sources for me is from California, um, sometimes Oregon. You know, here in Gardnerville, we're only about 10 miles from the California border. So That's pretty I'm local. Really lucky. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really lucky to have like the America's powerhouse of flower growers right here in my backyard. So, oh, so how far are you from Reno? It's about an hour north. Oh, wow. And then do you ever go? I don't even, I'm just, I'm revealing my lack of geography knowledge here. How far <laughs> do you, is it to the San Francisco flower market? Is that like a a rare thing or do you do that occasionally? Um, yeah, I do do that occasionally. It's about four hours to San Francisco. Wow. Um, so I order occasionally if I need something that's like really fresh, really high quality, um, I usually have them ship to me, but if it were a really big order, I would go pick it up myself. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Well, what's the vibe, mm. like the wedding vibe of Tahoe? Is it pretty um, mountain-inspired or, you know, outdoor-inspired? Or is there is there a look or is it kind of all, everything goes? It's pretty much all over the place. You know, budget-wise, we run the gamut from, like, tiny elopements to, like, massive luxury weddings um, I haven't done any of those myself, but I've freelanced on some of those and they're incredible. So you really get everything from like boho to the rustic chic to, you know, all white orchids and luxury. It's all over the place because people are coming from everywhere. I would say, you know, 90% of my brides are from out of state and I've even had some come from out of country. So, but what a great place to be, uh, where the weddings are coming to you. I mean, I'm sure you're doing marketing and networking, but how do these, mm -hmm. how are these clients finding sunflower and sage floral? Um, I found that it's a lot of Instagram actually. Um, Instagram seems to be a great platform for weddings and flowers. I think just the visual nature of it is really strong. Um, and also a lot of referrals, like word of mouth from other florists in the area. We have a really great tight-knit uh, floral community here, and we all try to help each other out as much as possible. So that's well, been great too. That's really great to hear, especially since mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of on the newer to the landscape, uh, you know, chronology of just this, this being your third season. It's great that you welcomed mm -hmm. and you know rather than shut out I mean you just it varies obviously from market to market but that sounds that sounds really encouraging for you to build your business yeah, yeah it's been wonderful and you mentioned that the some of the farms aren't selling wholesale is it because the other flower farms are they farmer florists themselves who are just growing yes. for their own designs yeah that's it does that suggest that maybe you need to start growing yourself Bethany? <laughs> Um, I wish I have killed pretty much every plant I've ever touched. So I don't know if that's possible for me. No pressure. I would love to. <laughs> no, well, I think you know what to do with them when they're cut and, and order, you order them from the farmer or the wholesaler. You, you don't kill those. Those are, those are no art, art supplies. Yes. Those are great. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm good at that part. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the most fun or most inspiring wedding you've done in the last year? Uh, describe, you know, what, what 
I don't know what the pieces looked like or the venue um, or the palette. Yeah, um, I would have to say it was actually the wedding that you featured in Forest Review. Oh, right. Um, it was, yeah, it was very colorful, lots of sunflowers. The couple were great, and they actually requested me specifically because I do slow flowers. They mm. both work in, um, they both work in like ecologic um, careers. So yeah, it was very yeah environmental. They it was very important to them. Um, and it's at this great venue at the Heavenly Ski Resort. You have to take this gondola way up the mountain, and it's this lodge that's right at the top. So you have this fantastic view. Um, and they were so easygoing and fun, and they loved the bright colors. And I was actually able to source at least half of those flowers from the local farm in Dayton. Wow. So you're literally carrying buckets of flowers or finished arrangements up a gondola to the venue? Both. Both. It's very challenging. <laughs> uh, oh but worth God. it. Is there any high altitude issues related to that, that affect flowers? I, I mean, I know with cooking, it's an issue. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that the sun is so intense. So if you have anything outdoors, like it's going to try to cook those flowers pretty fast. Yeah. Even so though it's like you, you try to put out the arch <laughs> as close to the ceremony as you can. Right. There's no cloud cover then, right? No, mm -hmm. not usually. Mm -hmm. And then for the wet winter weddings, uh, I'm just guessing that's probably a little bit like the winter weddings that happen in the Pacific Northwest with with evergreens and um, kind of dried flowers or sort of non, you know, non herbaceous flowers. Um, is that sort of the vibe that you're seeing with the winter weddings, or does it could it be inside a hotel ballroom? I guess it doesn't matter then, right? Yeah, we have a lot of indoor um, indoor venues that are really beautiful. And so we do get like a lot of the rustic, like evergreens and things. But I've found that um, I can I can source some things even through the winter, like with California. Um, it's amazing what their growing season is. Right. You so can get roses good. in the middle of winter if you if you need them. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm I'm interested in your background, Bethany. What led you to start Sunflower and Sage Floral, and what was your background and your path to get to this? Yeah, well, it's funny. I kind of fell into it. If you told me 10 years ago I would be doing wedding flowers, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, my background is actually in theater. Um, that's what my degree is in, like directing and stage management. Um, and when I came out of college, I really wasn't sure what my career path was going to be, so I just started taking jobs and I, I fell in, um, to working with a great florist who's still around here. Um, and that was about seven years ago. So, um, so you have a lot more experience. Thing, you have a lot more experience in the industry than just being your own solopreneur. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been working for other florists and freelancing, um, about four years before I started my own business. Well, I kind of, see the tie. I see the connection that directing theater and theater production is basically a wedding, right? I mean, it, there's a lot of corollary. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it overlaps completely. You know, you have, you have all of your actors on stage and you have your stage managers who are the wedding planners and then you have your designers and decorators. And so there, it is a good overlap. Wow, that is so interesting, and it's almost like uh, the the wedding or the event is the production, and 
the audience is there and it, and the timing and the stress and all of that is probably the same as putting on a mm-hmm. theater. Except for with theater, you get to do it 10 times in a row, you know, for the run of the show. And uh, with the wedding, you only get one chance. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been a part of some short run shows, though, where we only had one or two nights to do it. And it's the same. Um, <laughs> and I actually love that about both of them. There's something about the ephemeral nature of it that it just happens this once in this moment in time and you put so much work into it and it's this gorgeous moment. And then the next day we move on. And I, I just love that. Good sentiment. Well, so Nevada has a little bit of growing up to do in the local floral scene. It sounds like, do you see that that, that is sure. happening or is it, you know, baby steps? What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it is going to happen. Um, baby steps, like you said, like this, the yellow petal just started last year and I'm sure that more will be coming. Hopefully fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Let's send a shout out to anybody who's thinking about starting a flower farm in, in uh, the Tahoe area. They need to get in touch with you. And uh, also yes. you probably have a big wish list of what you hope could be grown locally. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I, I don't know what the possibilities are here, uh, especially since we have such a short growing season, but I'll take whatever I can get. Mm, that's very cool. Well, you said that you have a new project that you're working on. I'd love to have you share it with uh, our listeners and the community before we uh, wrap up, because it sounds sounds like maybe borrowing from all your disciplines and your background. Yeah, sure. So um, because my background is in theater and the arts, I have, um, I have a very strong passion for other artists of all mediums and supporting them. And I've been finding lately that I think a lot of us are are feeling kind of lonely and maybe there are some moments of isolation in our businesses. You know, we spend so much time alone, you know, working on our craft in the studio and doing all the hours of work on our computer that are required. Um, I think a lot of people are really craving deeper connections and more support, especially from the community of creatives, because, um, you know, we all kind of know what each other are going through. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on building a community of creatives of all mediums, all genres, um, and bringing them together to foster these deep relationships and this artist to artist support. Um, it's initially going to start as a Facebook group that I'll be launching in about two weeks and that will grow into local gatherings and it'll start off here in my area. And, but I would love to grow it nationwide, worldwide, um, and just get this web of support growing so that we can all keep creating our most beautiful work in the healthiest way possible. Uh, I think it's, 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 it feels right to me the way you describe it. Cause I feel like that's really what, what Slow Flowers has done in our community. And, um, you know, it, there is with Slow Flowers and the, the group type of people who are drawn to it, there's a subject matter interest, uh, about local seasonal and sustainable flowers and you're you're look taking it from a different point of view to talk more about the the artist as the individual and um i love that i think that's a really great opportunity and there's a need for it so i wish you a lot of luck with that mm-hmm. what, thank you yes. what, what are you going to call it i don't know yet okay. <laughs> i'm waiting for inspiration to strike but i'll let you know as soon as i know well i think this could serve florists as well absolutely and um I bet you you'll post about this on your Instagram feed, right? Yes, for sure. Also, just knowing a little bit about what's happening on the floral landscape in Nevada is uh, inspiring. And I guess the reason I started this project is to show 
that there is a vibrant floral uh, story in every state. Thank you so much, Bethany, for being the voice of Nevada. It's been really great talking with you. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to talk to you as well. Great. Well, we'll share some photos of your work, especially that wedding that you mentioned, so people can see uh, what, what a local Nevada-grown wedding looks like uh, and what you're working on in the future. So thanks a lot. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye. taking the time to join the Slow Flowers podcast today as we achieved two major milestones, the sixth anniversary of our launch in 2013 and our 500,000th episode download from a listener. This is so incredible, and yet the metrics tell only part of the story. I'm so grateful to the real flower-loving humans who have helped to shape and nurture the concept of Slow Flowers into a movement that has swept North America and now migrated to many other countries around the globe. Countries where flower farmers, farmer florists, and designers are seeking ways to save their domestic floral landscape and promote sustainable practices in their profession. Together, we define the Slow Flowers Movement as our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to Farmers Web. Farmers Web software makes it simple for flower farms to streamline working with their buyers. By lessening the administrative load and increasing efficiency, Farmers Web helps your farm save time, reduce errors, and work with more buyers overall. Learn more at farmersweb.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded, wait for it, 500,000 times by listeners like you. Yes, one half million times. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. And huge congrats to Andrew and Hannah Brenlin for the arrival on July 16th of their first child, Francis Lou Brenlin. We love you all and celebrate this beautiful new human in our world. Mm-hmm.